Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Hey, it's my mom. Mama. And Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Monday, February 26, 2024. Good morning and welcome back to a brand new hour of Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance and studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us across America and beyond, wherever you may be listening to us here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's great to be with you on this Monday in the second week of Lent and uh, just uh, wondering, how is your Lent going so far? As always, uh, you can tell us and uh, you can send us an email directly if you have anything on your mind, anything you want to share with us, any story ideas. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. I want to bring in Glenn and Sarah. Hey, Glenn, what are some of the headlines uh, making news uh, this hour here on this Monday morning? Well, no matter how awkward uh, some of the comments might be toward the African-American community, uh, former President Trump rolled to a 20-point margin of victory Saturday in the uh, South Carolina primary over his challenger, Nikki Haley. Haley says she'll still stay in the race, though. They have the right to a real choice. Not a Soviet-style election with only one candidate. And uh, former President Trump, the winner on Saturday, says he's looking ahead to the general election. And we're going to be up here on November 5th, and we're going to look at Joe Biden, and we're going to look him right in the eye. He's destroying our country, and we're going to say, Joe, you're fired. Get out. Get out, Joe. You're fired. Next up in the lineup, John, tomorrow, uh, the primary in Michigan, and the next Tuesday, Super Tuesday, at which point... Uh, some candidates may reevaluate their situation. Well, the situation doesn't look uh, too good uh, for Nikki Haley at this point. So far, uh, former President Trump has won uh, very easily. In the, he's won in the Midwest, in the Northeast, uh, in the South, uh, in whatever region uh, he has been rolling. And uh, it, it doesn't look like it's going to get any better um, either in Michigan or uh, on Super Tuesday. And the next job for the former president to... Uh, trying to wrangle some of those Haley supporters to have enough support to win a general election race in the fall. And, and we're talking about um, uh, some of uh, the folks who just don't want to vote for President Trump. Uh, there's there's a, a lot of, of people who obviously don't support Trump that, you know, she got 40 percent of the vote. Um, and um, so the question is, what can the president do to... Uh, convince uh, the Haley supporters to come over to his side. Yeah, he's a very polarizing figure, to say the very least, and he'll need uh, more than just 60% of Republican support to, to win the general election. And, uh, of course, President Biden, a very unpopular candidate, uh, even among Democrats as well. So this might be a year, John, where we might see a strong third-party push, actually. Yeah, that's been some of the, of the, of the talk and... Uh, well, we'll see uh, one step at a time. <laughs> We've got Michigan tomorrow. One step at a time in those shiny gold sneakers there. That's right. <laughs> so Michigan coming up tomorrow and uh, and then uh, another week, uh, Super Tuesday, when a whole bunch of delegates are up for grabs. And it would probably take later on in March until, uh, you know, even with rolling through the primaries as he's done so far, that uh, 
uh, former President Trump would uh, wrap up enough to, you know, technically secure the nomination as well. But it doesn't look too far off at this point. He is switching up some of the uh, RNC leadership, though. Uh, Chairwoman of the Republican National Committee, Ronna McDaniel, stepping down. She announced she'll give up the post uh, after Super Tuesday. President Trump basically making that call, John. And uh, she was under a lot of pressure. Uh, there are folks out there who, who think that uh, the the Republican Party is just not winning enough elections. And so uh, they're looking for a change. Yeah, because not only the White House, but as we know, I mean, uh, having control, uh, narrowly divided uh, Congress, both sides in the, the House and the Senate, very important. And uh, some of the state situations are a little tough, especially in the financial area for Republicans. This morning, Legos are in the news. That's right. Police in Pennsylvania are searching for a man who stole well, $1,000 worth of Lego toys. And any parent who's bought the kind of fancy Lego kits might understand that was just five specialty boxes, uh, $1,000 worth. But uh, my goodness, you guys uh, got experience with stepping on Legos or perhaps more happily helping your kids build uh, Lego things through the years? Oh, man, no one wants to step on a Lego. You know, I've been very fortunate. I haven't stepped on too many despite you know, I have the eye, you know, there's one over there, so avoid. But there's been a couple times you just get one the wrong way and you're like, oh, come on. What? This is why I wear shoes all the time. No, no wearing <laughs> socks or barefoot in a house where there's Legos just never safe for your feet. But yeah, we have lots of Legos in our house. There's always uh, another one to get. Oh, my goodness. There's just, uh, this guy I'm just imagining, you know, these must have been like, you know, top shelf, these uh, big kits that, you know, sometimes actually they don't even look that big. And you're like, really? That's the price tag? Because you're like, I feel like I should get more for these pieces. But they work really hard to make these. They look just like, you know, they're these lookalikes of either buildings or locations or um, whether it's Star Wars or something related, you know, these big, you know, fun like you know fantasy type things that are out there avengers and all that they're very intricate these designs so yeah the price gets up there so i could see that you know maybe you know he didn't get what he wanted for christmas maybe he wasn't good i mean he's a thief so i imagine he was on santa's naughty list so maybe hey just next time you know do better during the year and you'll get it for christmas you won't have to steal it You know, those amazing Legos, too. I remember when my kids were young and they, they got them going and that, you know, got me going again on Legos. I was able to, to dig out my coffee can of Legos from the early 70s and they, they still fit together, of course. And, <laughs> and you know why? Legos have to have a tolerance within 0.02 millimeters. 99.9% of the bricks have to be within 0.001 millimeters. I mean, we're talking some pretty serious engineering, and that's uh, that's why these things can not only hurt on the bottom of a foot, but uh, <laughs> fit together pretty well. <laughs> well, we still have uh, boxes and boxes of Legos left over from when my uh, Joseph uh, was a little guy. Uh, he loved playing with his Legos. He used to combine the Legos with the dinosaurs. So he would build like little cities with the Legos and then put the dinosaurs into battles against each other. Nice. It's a nice interplay. That's nice. the good thing about some of the toys is that they don't just, you know, you don't just play with um, something is marketed as, okay, buy this toy and buy all the toys that go along with it. But you can have interplay between um, different types of yeah, toys absolutely. when it's Legos and yeah. your little action figures and whatever it might be, train sets. Like all of them can play well together as the t- uh, many movies of Toy Story have uh, told us uh, <laughs> toys love to play together, especially when no one else is around. But you know, there's this guy who has been collecting um, Legos for years and years and years. He started when he was five. He has over 6,000 different Lego sets. 
my only question for him, he got in the Guinness Book of World Records. My only question is, is he married still? <laughs> because that's a lot of budget going to the Legos. So I'm, I'm thinking maybe he might be a single man. I don't know. I mean, sometimes you got to make a choice in life. But he wanted to be in the Guinness Book of World Records. You know, these big goals. You got to work hard to get to them. Wow. <laughs> And uh, finally, with that story that started it all, uh, you know, with the five missing boxes, $1,000 worth of Legos from uh, Pennsylvania police hoping to put all the pieces together and track down the suspect. Well, I hope they do. I hope they figure it out because uh, that, I mean, someone somewhere really wants those Legos back. So they, it'll be interesting to see what they find. Wasn't there a song out there, Pick Up the Pieces? There might have been, yeah. That, that's a song that's out there. You're right, John. <laughs> I think it was Average White Band, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you got it. God, Very good. I think I recall I heard it about an hour ago. You might have heard it recently. Yeah. There you go. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well... Lots of fun, lots of good memories uh, from uh, Legos uh, for all of us. Uh, thanks, as always, uh, Glenn and Sarah. Thanks, sure thing, John. We start every hour here on Morning Air, always in prayer, always giving thanks uh, to our Lord for all the many blessings. And we continue to pray through the intercession of uh, our Blessed Mother Mary, the Mother of God. And we pray for peace in the world, especially in the Middle East and in Ukraine. We pray for peace in our nation, peace in our church, and peace in our families. And on Mondays, we also pray in a special way for the souls in purgatory of our family and loved ones who really do need our prayers. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And every morning, we invoke the Holy Spirit when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from Luke 6.36. Jesus the Lord says, Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Pope St. John Paul II, in his encyclical Divis in Misericordia, Rich in Mercy, wrote, Jesus Christ taught that man not only receives and experiences the mercy of God, but that he is also called to practice mercy towards others. Divine mercy is God's greatest attribute. His mercy endures forever, and it's like an ocean of mercy. As the Lord told St. Faustina, the greater the sinner, the greater the right he has to my mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And we always pray with great confidence that prayer that Drew and Maggie pray every afternoon during the Chapel of Divine Mercy. Jesus, I trust in you. We need to take a short break when we come back. Our spiritual director, the baseball priest, Father Burke Masters, will be with us to continue his B-Form series and talk about the Eucharist and the Holy Trinity. Stay with us as this Monday edition of Morning Air continues here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
advice to start your day. This is Morning Air. Jump into the conversation. Call 888-914-9149. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for tuning in on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app on this Monday morning. You can always send us an email directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. Our toll-free line, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. That's 888-914-9149. This morning, we're going to continue the B-Form series and continue learning more about the Holy Eucharist and the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Now, we've spoken about many different aspects of uh, the Eucharist, and this morning we're going to focus on the Eucharist and the relationship with the Holy Trinity. Joining us live is our spiritual director, Father Burke Masters, the the pastor at St. Isaac Jokes Parish in Hinsdale, Illinois, in suburban Chicago, with much more on the Holy Eucharist. Father Burke is the author of his recent book, A Grand Slam for God, A Journey from Baseball to Catholic Priest. He's the Chicago Cubs Catholic chaplain known as the baseball priest and a longtime Morning Air contributor. Father Burke, good morning. Uh, It's great to be with you once again. Uh, Thanks again for joining us. Good morning to be with you too. And the exciting spring training games are underway. And and here in Chicago, the weather has been, it's probably been the most mild winter I've experienced in, in my lifetime here. So we're really getting excited for baseball. Oh, yes. Uh, it definitely uh, felt like uh, spring is in the air. And I actually caught a little bit uh, of the Cubs in action on, on TV uh, yesterday. And uh, the talk of the town was uh, Cody Bellinger. Uh, the uh, big bat uh, signs with the Cubs, and and, and he is back. Um, your your thoughts on the importance of, of, of Cody being back in the fold? Yeah, I think there any chance of having a, a great year hinge around getting him back or someone like him. So this uh, last Saturday, I was in Columbus, Ohio at the Ohio men's conference. And, you know, I had my, my Cubs jacket on as I was speaking. And of course, a lot of Cubs fans were coming up afterward. You know, we got to pray to get uh, Cody Bellinger. <laughs> and so Sunday morning, I wake up and he had signed a, a big contract. And so I think there's, there, I know there's a lot of excitement. Hopefully that will translate into um, another improvement. They had a good year last year, and I think there's hope that with the sign of a new pitcher from Japan that maybe they'll take another step forward this year. Yeah, there's always hope this time of year, and uh, obviously a lot of buzz uh, with uh, Cody Bellinger being back uh, on the Cubs, the comeback player of the year for the Cubs last year. He had a great. Uh, he's an MVP quality type guy, and so uh, uh, we hope uh, that they have a, a a good season this year. Yeah, there was some concern when they signed him last year because he, you know, he had been MVP, and then he had a couple down years, and people thought, well, maybe he's done. And then he had another resurgence last year, and, you know, could be a real uh, you know, potentially an MVP again. So, but as you mentioned, hope springs eternal. Uh, every team starts with the same record and with the hopes of winning the World Series. And I think about you know the, our spiritual spring training. The same thing happens at Lent. Like no matter what we've done in the past, the season of Lent says, okay, let's let's start over. 
Let's become the best version of ourselves. Let's become the saints that God has created us and called us to be. And, you know, let's, let's start over. And so hopefully we're what, 12 days into Lent, I believe, you know, hopefully you're still going with your, uh, your prayer fasting and almsgiving. If not, start over. Today's a new day. Absolutely. Uh, for those uh, who may have struggled a little bit, and you, you, it's, it's a new day, and we can always uh, get back uh, to our Lenten resolutions. Now, I love the fact that we've been talking about the Eucharist uh, from many different perspectives uh, as uh, we continue to uh, really uh, um, analyze and, and meditate on uh, this wonderful letter by uh, Pope Benedict XVI, the Sacrament uh, of Charity, uh, uh, Sacramentum caritatis. Uh, and, and the uh, late Holy Father had a lot to say about the Eucharist and the Holy Trinity. Yeah, so today we're going to focus on uh, the Holy Trinity and the Eucharist. And let's start just talking about the Holy Trinity. We know, you know, we learned as little kids, God is one, one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God is this relationship of love. I remember Bishop Barron, he was our professor in the seminary. He said, you know, God, the father is the lover. Jesus, the son is the beloved and the Holy spirit is the love between the two. And of course, then we know that Jesus, the second person in the Holy Trinity, the son of God uh, takes on flesh. And I think it's so powerful. If you go back to the book of Genesis, you know, God speaks and the world was created. Everything was created by God simply speaking. And so that word of God creates. And so now the word of God takes on flesh in the person of Jesus. And so everything Jesus says happens because he's, he is God. And so Jesus comes to this world to live our life, walk our walk, talk our talk, die our death, rise to new life, ascend to heaven so that we can have an opportunity for eternity. So he's revealing to us the love of God. You know, scripture says Jesus is the perfect reflection of the father. So as we see Jesus's love and mercy, we realize that's, that's God, the father's love being poured out to us here on earth. And, and the goal of Jesus, as we hear in his prayer to the father is father, I pray that just as you and I are one, that they may be one with us. So God's goal is to bring us back to him to live in that divine life uh, for all eternity. And we get glimpses of it here on earth, first by our own baptism, you know, where we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that the very, the very divine life is living within us. And of course, it brings us to the Eucharist today that we're talking about. The, this gift of Jesus uh, in the Eucharist is one of the most profound ways that God is saying, Here's a taste of divine life every time you receive me in the Eucharist. Here's an opportunity to become one with me. That's why we call it communion. It's union with God. And so sometimes we feel like maybe we're, we're left out, we're insignificant. Who am I among the over 7 billion people in the world? But God through the Eucharist is reaching out to you specifically, uh, calling you into this relationship of love into this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this Trinitarian love that, that heals, that brings us security, that brings us everything that we need in life. 
And the, the great bishop and doctor of the church, St. Augustine, um, wrote extensively uh, about the Holy Eucharist. And uh, maybe you can share a little bit uh, uh, about uh, St. Augustine and his perspective on the Holy Trinity. Yes, yeah, so he says that, that God is spirit. Um, and so as, as a human being, you know, we are, we're both body and soul. We have a spiritual dimension. And so because we have a soul, we can somewhat relate to God who is spirit, right? So um, it's not like we're completely separate, you know, man is bad, God is good. No, we have uh, a, a spiritual element to us that, that God wants to bring into relationship with him. And so if we think about uh, the Holy Trinity, he says there's a relationship that exists within God, you know, between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this communion of persons, this, this triune God, is always reaching out to us in love. And uh, St. Augustine, you know, if you've never read um, the Confessions of St. Augustine, he's one of my heroes because he's so real in that, in that text that he was such a sinner. But when he encountered the love of God, he knew he had to follow God wherever he led. So he went from this very sinful life to becoming a bishop uh, and eventually a saint. And a big part of that, he says, was the gift of God in the Eucharist. And uh, I always remember in that in that book, he said, uh, or his mother, you know, St. Monica, who you know, it's great to have a, a mother and son who are saints. She said before she died to her son, remember me at the altar. And so sometimes people say, why do we pray for the dead? You know, uh, St. Monica was asking her son, who was a a priest and a bishop, to remember her at the Eucharist, to pray for her. And I'm sure her son was very faithful in that respect to, to his mother. Father Burke, can can you explain to us uh, a little bit uh, about um, the relationship between uh, God and man, that that original um, relationship? Yeah, so God, as we talk about, is this intimate relationship of love. And uh, so our original relationship to God, if you go back to Adam and Eve, was perfect union. It says Adam and Eve walked with God. In, in paradise. So we were made for God and we were modeled after God. And then, of course, we know that through the fall, through the sin of Adam and Eve, uh, illness and death came into the world and it created this gap between man and God. We still have this longing. We have this infinite longing and, and we all experience that. We all know that there's something more that we were made for and we were made for God. We were made for this relationship with God. And so uh, it says that any material offering made to our God must go through man. So the sense of what's going what's to bring us back into union is going to be this sacrifice of Jesus once for all on the cross. And then he's going to give us a way through the Eucharist. You know, Jesus at the Last Supper, as he's sitting with his disciples, says, do this in, in remembrance of me. In other words, this is one of the ways that you're going to have communion with me, even though I'm leaving, <laughs> you know, through the power of the Holy Spirit, this bread and wine will become my body and blood. And this, this very physical thing, the bread and wine, uh, will become a very spiritual thing, the body and blood of Jesus, and it will feed your soul and bring you into communion with me. 
And and Father Burke, um, we cannot separate uh, the true presence of Jesus in the Holy Eucharist uh, from the Holy Trinity, because wherever uh, one person is, uh, the other uh, two are there a- as well. Can you explain that mystery? Yeah, it's uh, it's such a beautiful mystery. If you if you think about uh, what's happening at Mass, and uh, let's start with baptism, for example. You know, I, I think when when we are baptized, the same thing happens to us that happened with Jesus. You know, the heavens open up, the Holy Spirit descends. You know, we don't see the form of a dove, but the Holy Spirit is descending. The Father is saying, you are my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So we're baptized in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Similarly, at Mass, you know, when the priest is consecrating the bread and wine, the heavens open up. We are participating in the heavenly liturgy. You know, as the angels and saints are singing holy, holy, holy around the throne of God, um, we are singing that same thing. The Holy Spirit descends upon the elements of bread and wine, consecrates them into the body and blood of Christ. So we have Jesus present there. The Holy Spirit is very active, and God the Father, of course, is, is always present. And so at the Mass, especially at the consecration and when we receive communion, you know, the Holy Trinity is there is present to us, and we're being drawn up, if you will, into this deep relationship with God. And so that's why you mentioned, John, earlier, it's so beautiful talking about the Eucharist, and I'm so glad the bishops are doing this three-year Eucharistic revival, because if we all understood what was happening at Mass there, you know, I would, I would think that our churches would be overflowing every day if we understood that mystery and, uh, and it does happen at every Mass. And I think that that is really our goal, to, to better understand that, that mystery, uh, that our Lord Jesus is truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity, uh, under the appearances of, of bread and wine. Father, can you talk about the, the importance of, of really participating in Mass, uh, to, to really have that relationship with our Lord and knowing that He is there present and uh, the importance of, of really, you know, participating. Yeah, you know, I just want to encourage, uh, you know, I remember when I did uh, Crucio uh, back in 1993, one of the things they encouraged us to do was to go to adoration and to go to daily mass. And I thought, how can I go to daily mass? I'm working, you know, this was before seminary and, uh, but I, I love a good challenge. And so I started to go to daily mass started to go to adoration once a week and being that close to Jesus in the Eucharist in both adoration and receiving him daily in mass just started to transform my heart. And I started to feel that, that sense of union with God in a way that I'd never experienced before. And it, it eventually led me, you know, to following this call to the priesthood, but each one of us has, has our own vocational call, our own, and our own daily call from God to follow him. And there's no better way, as Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. There's no better way than participating in the Eucharist, hearing the word of God proclaimed, receiving Jesus's body and blood and allowing him to transform us from the inside out. It's a, it's such a beautiful gift. And if we, you know, if we make him a priority, you will never regret it. (laughs) We, well, I've never heard someone say at their deathbed, boy, I wish I didn't go to Mass so often, but I have heard the opposite. And so just an encouragement to uh, 
um, you know, make Jesus a priority, daily mass and, and weekly adoration if you can. Uh, it will transform your life. Well, Father Burke, I really appreciate uh, you being with us. Um, wonderful, uh, inspirational advice here uh, early on still in Lent. We cannot go wrong uh, uh, seeking our Lord uh, in the Holy Eucharist, uh, in adoration and in the Mass uh, more and more. Thanks again. You're welcome. God bless you. and. Many blessings to you. Father Burke, Masters, the baseball priest and longtime morning air contributor. Uh, we need to take a quick pause when we come back. Catholic speaker, podcaster, and faith coach Kendra Von Esch will join us to discuss how to fight temptations uh, during Lent. So stay with us. We are headed down the stretch on this uh, Monday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Monday in the second week of Lent here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. You can shoot us an email. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. And our toll-free line, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149. That's 888 Now, as you know, here we are in the second week of Lent, and some of you may be struggling a little bit to keep up with your Lenten resolutions and sacrifices. It's really common to start Lent. You're all motivated and determined, and then uh, you, you start getting tempted, and you start forgetting what your resolutions are, or maybe you go back to those old habits. How do we fight these temptations? That's what we're going to talk about here this morning. Joining us live is Morning Air regular contributor Kendra Von Esch to share some ways to fight the spiritual battle. Kendra's a speaker, a faith coach, a podcaster who is passionate about sharing her faith, her supernatural transformation and spiritual experiences while helping others on their journey as well. Kendra is also the author of Am I Catholic? A Struggle with Faith, Humility, and Surrendering to God. Good morning, Kendra. Thanks so much for joining us. It's good to be with you once again. It is fabulous to be here. How is your Lent going, John? Well, so far, so good. I can relate to some of those little temptations, and uh, so far, I, I am I, I am scuffling and battling, but I'm I'm uh, hanging in there. Uh, you know, before we talk about uh, Lent and uh, temptations, Kendra, just wanted to check and see how you're doing. Uh, you know, obviously, you've been on my mind uh, during uh, this difficult time uh, of recently losing uh, your dad and then uh, your husband. Uh, how are things with you? You know, I am doing so good because of Jesus and Mary, and honestly, the prayers of you, of all the people that are listening, of my followers, I'm telling you, prayer is powerful. It's seriously propping me up. I'm down here in Tennessee, which is where my husband and I were building a home to retire and move to. The first time I've ever been down here without him, the first time, you know, I'm solo, and I'm going to be meeting, you know, some builders because my husband and I were going to finish off the house by ourselves. 
And I could have fallen into despair and anxiety and fear. I want to share something with you. It's actually tying right into this temptation stuff. If we're aware of what's going on, we can actually step in and call out for Jesus and Mary's help. So let me share a quick one. I was in prayer. This was a couple of days after my husband passed. And I thought about the hotel that we stayed in, which is where I'm at right now. I'm standing in this hotel. My husband and I would stay here every single time we came down. And I'm in prayer back in Chicago. And boom, the thought of a hotel room comes into my mind. I'm praying the rosary. I'm not thinking about the hotel. And then my entire body is like in pain. My stomach has that pit, you know, that sick to your stomach feeling. And then I started thinking about us spending time in the hotel room. And then I started bawling my eyes out. I was in this total state of anxiety and fear and worry. And all I could think was, I cannot go back to Tennessee. I cannot go back to that hotel. Who do I think? What am I thinking? Like I was in a state of fear, just total fear and pain. And then I just said, Jesus, take over. I said it out loud and instantly, John, no joke, my entire body is fine. My tears dry up. I have no fear. And I was paying attention enough. It took me about a minute to realize what is happening to me. So we have to be aware that evil attacks us all the time, that evil has access to our body, evil has access to our emotions and our memories. And if I look at just those three, that's exactly what he did in the middle of praying. He reminded me, put a memory of the hotel, attacked my body, and you know, reeled up my emotions to the point where I was absolutely irrational. And when we talk so about evil, we're talking about that... uh, the evil one uh, and uh, and his minions uh, that are, you know, out to pull us away from our Lord. And, I, you know, I, I just can't get over just the incredible faith and the supernatural grace that uh, you have been receiving from our Lord to, to deal with such a difficult time in your life. And just just now what you just shared with us is is a perfect example of the power of prayer, just a simple, you know, Jesus take over and he gives us that grace. He gives us that strength. It is amazing. And we can have that with any temptation. And I, you know what, John, nobody's more shocked than I am, but this has been such a lesson to me that prayer for other people is powerful. It has changed my prayer life. So I pray for all of you, all of the listeners, and it's very selfless. That's really what we should be thinking about when we're praying. And just to be honest with you, I used to be all about me in prayer, me and God, and I want to hear his voice, and I want to learn how to do mental prayer and all this kind of stuff. And ever since my husband passed and my dad passed and all the prayers from everyone, and it is physically, emotionally, and spiritually impacting me, I can't turn around and walk away from praying for other people because I've I've felt it. It's it is real. So prayer can also keep you away from the temptation. So if you have like, let's try it. Let's say you're trying to quit an addiction or something. If you are paying attention, you may feel your body get really riled up. Maybe you quit sugar and all of a sudden your body is like, oh my gosh, I got to go to the refrigerator and the freezer and grab some 
cake and cookies and ice cream. And if you just allow yourself to do it without stopping, pausing, and praying, you're going to fall because you have allowed your body to be your mind. And that's why we have to pay attention and realize, wait a minute, when that urge comes, and we've had it, maybe it's a pornography addiction you're trying to deal with or an alcohol or a drug, your body has been trained by you to love that stuff and to want it and to seek it. And so when you're trying to change, you have to fight that. Sometimes it's evil. Sometimes it's just your body working against you. So if we just stop, we pause and we pray and we say, in the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of temptation. You might just feel this amazing peace where your body absolutely stops making that have you ever had that where you're like, oh my gosh, my God, you are an ice cream guy. Do you ever have the body go, oh, I got to have ice cream, where you just automatically walk to the freezer and grab some? Absolutely. <laughs> are you kidding? That's one of my weaknesses. <laughs> um, but, you know, no matter what the weakness, if, if, we, if we call on the name of the Lord and, uh, and trust in him, he will give us the strength to deal with whatever uh, difficulty, whatever challenge, whatever temptation might be coming our, our way. In fact, I want to open up our phone lines and invite our listeners. Uh, if you have a question for Kendra, or maybe you might want to share uh, ways that you've been able to deal with and actually beat temptations, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to get in, we're taking your calls for a Catholic speaker and faith coach, Kendra Von Esch at 888 Well, you know firsthand, Kendra, because uh, you've been there yourself. So when you share practical advice on, uh, you know, good ways to deal with with temptation is because uh, you've been there yourself. Oh, yes, I have. Yes, I have. And it has been a walk. So it's also about emotions. That is one of the things that I just want to scream out loud to everyone, that we should really pay attention to the emotions that are coming our way. Because when they're not of God and they're, you know, fear and worry and anxiety or, you know, resentment or anger or things that are not virtuous emotions, then we've got to capture them. And I kind of make my hand like a fist and I want to choke them. I want to choke those emotions and make them obedient to Jesus. So I, I grab them and I say, in the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of anger. So guess what was happening? And Mary, hello, Mary, as I'm driving to my property, guess what happens? I have a total emotional outburst. I'm about a mile and a half from my house, and I just start bawling my eyes out. I can barely see, and I'm driving thinking, okay, Mary, and I start praying the Hail Mary. (laughs) I prayed the Hail Mary all the way for the rest of that mile. Every It didn't stop pulled into my driveway, and I was peaceful. I wasn't fearful. So let's not forget also that Mary is a beautiful companion for us. Hopefully many, if not all of us, have consecrated ourselves to Jesus through Mary. It's such a beautiful gift in the Catholic Church, Mary, to walk with us and protect us. And I really felt like she wrapped me in her blue mantle before I went up to the property, and I was peaceful and calming Yes, I miss my husband. I am feeling the feelings, but that was bizarre to bust out like that while I'm in the middle of driving. And so, again, we have to pay attention, and Jesus and Mary are there always for us. 
What about uh, meditating on the on the Word of God to uh, receive uh, strength and, and grace uh, when you're dealing with temptations? <laughs> so, yesterday in the reading, God speaks to me all the time. That's what I do. I spend the time reading the daily readings. And all of us Catholics can listen to what God's telling us. It'd be wonderful if we all actually meditated on the Word and heard what He was saying to us. So, the words were... I believed even when I was in when I was greatly afflicted that's what it was it was in the psalm I believed even when I was greatly afflicted like hello could that be my life <laughs> right now you know I am totally afflicted but yet I believed and I am living my faith that's one thing that came to me in prayer when I was praying to Jeff when I was going to be reading during the funeral oh, honey, please make sure that I don't lose it. And he said in my heart, again, didn't say it out loud, but I felt him say, live your faith. And that is what it's all about. There is a, a verse in Second Corinthians 5-7. Uh, uh, we walk by faith and not by sight, uh, that St. Paul reminds us. And for me, that has been a really, really powerful reminder that uh, we, we have to hang in there. We have to have that faith. Uh, even though we can't see uh, the end result, we have to walk with that kind of faith uh, in the Lord, that trust which we talk about all the time, you know, trusting in the Lord. And it's also trusting in the Lord's mercy. So there may be a lot of people out there who have lost someone who did not necessarily come back and embrace the Catholic faith and wasn't really practicing. But we also have to know that God's mercy is endless and that we have to rely on that and trust that he will be merciful it was hard for me, I have to be honest with you, but I also believe that because of the prayers from everyone else around, it matters how that soul is being treated. So the more you pray <laughs> for the souls here, the, the it's going to be past, present, and future when they face Jesus on Judgment Day. So pray, pray, pray. And don't forget to pray for those who have gone into purgatory. What a holy lesson for me, because I didn't really pray for the souls in purgatory. I didn't have that kind of devotion. But you know what? When your father and your husband are now hopefully in purgatory, you better believe I'm praying. And then I'm praying for all the other souls and those that don't have anyone to pray for them. What a ride God has me on. I mean, just opening my eyes to selfless prayer and for all those souls in purgatory, it's becoming a devotion for me. Well, we know that our blessed Lord Jesus himself was tempted in the desert. And he's a great example for us that we can deal with the temptations and we can deal with the enemy. What about praying the St. Michael the Archangel prayer? Oh, my gosh, I'm doing the chaplet. <laughs> So I started researching about purgatory, and I am doing the St. Michael Chaplet um, every morning. As a matter of fact, you just reminded me that I have yet to pray that, so I'm going to make sure that I get that in because it's, it's a new devotion. But St. Michael, there's a reason, and I hope and pray that all of your parishes after Mass pray the St. Michael prayer. Uh, I, my heart aches when I go to a, a parish and they don't pray that afterwards because we need his defense. We need him to help us. And then... 
when we are on our deathbed, he comes to our aid. And that is incredible. So yes, yes, the St. Michael prayer and the chaplet. Keep praying those for yourself and for others, for your protection, because we need it in this evil, evil world. We can see it everywhere, right? Kendra, uh, final moments, um, some final thoughts on uh, fighting temptations here during Lent. You're not alone. If I have learned one thing, loneliness is not impacting me because I'm constantly talking to Jesus. I'm constantly talking to Mary. And yes, I'm talking to my dad and my, and my husband, but mostly it's that Holy Spirit peace that honestly surpasses all understanding when I reach out and I ask for it. Lord, please pour out your grace in me. And I have to just say thank you again for all the prayers because I don't think God has a choice because of all your prayers. He's got to pour grace into my heart. And that is what is happening. I feel like he's truly protecting me from this sorrow, this pain, and this, you know, absolute despair that one could have when they lose someone as important in their life as as a spouse. So keep God close, keep talking to them, and know that they are your best friends. And we have to talk to them like that, and they'll help you out. Real quick, where can our listeners uh, connect with your ministry? Oh, uh, so check out my YouTube channel, Kendra Von Esch, and then I do a daily podcast. It's supposed to be 10 minutes, but I talk a little too long. <laughs> it's called Reality Reflections, anywhere that you podcast, and you can kind of walk with me. And I want to say, I did my ministry for other people. I thought I would walk with them because I was alone on my journey, but I had no idea that my ministry was going to support me that I need all these people who are listening and following because I am not alone either. It's really important to have spiritual companions and keep listening to relevant radio. There's such beauty. There's a family. We're going to have to leave it right there, Kendra. Don't mean to cut you off, but we've got to run. Uh, Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, Morning Air contributor Kendra Von Esch. And now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called The Accident by Rob Chafford. A few years ago, a tragic accident happened on the back roads of our region. A Christian man, a humble servant of the Lord, a sweet husband to his devoted wife, and a terrific dad to a couple of dynamic tweens was hit head-on by a drunk driver. He died on impact. The other driver survived the ordeal and was facing heavy criminal charges. Public opinion was that this guy should rot in prison. No mercy for such an offense. The Morning family, however, was not a normal, everyday, typically common kind of family. They were close to one another through an invincible bond called divine love. They got together and pondered out loud, what would Jesus do in our circumstances? One thing they knew for certain was their master would not linger in self-pity and unforgiveness. They were convinced they had to reach out somehow to the guilty driver. Early one morning, the son and daughter of the victimized dad went down to the prison to visit the driver. To the utter amazement of the guards, though both son and daughter were deep in grief, they hugged the man and forgave him for his actions. The surprised criminal couldn't stop his emotions from overcoming him. He trembled to his knees and started to cry. Instead of a fist in his face, which is what he expected and knew he deserved, he received mercy. He received love instead of utter contempt. He received divine grace instead of condemnation. Surprisingly, both the son and daughter visited that prisoner regularly. They had truly forgiven the one who had killed their dad. One of God's greatest desires is that we show mercy toward one another. 
Hosea 6.6 6 says, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offering. Powerful message, as always. Thanks so much, uh, Glenn. That'll do it for this Monday, February 26, 2024 edition of Morning Air. For Glenn, Sarah, Gabby, Young, Thomas, the whole Morning Air team, I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God bless America. We'll see you tomorrow on the next Morning Air. The Patrick Madrid Show is up next. Next.